Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 192 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Rodriguez, and today we'll be discussing The Rock's exploitive shoe deal with the UFC, Dede Pedaneras' recent comments regarding Jose Aldo's possible retirement, Robert Whitaker's acceptance of Chimaev's training offer, and we'll preview the weekend's best fight offerings, including Canelo versus Triple G3 and UFC Vegas 60's main card. Victor, we have had another busy week in the news. What's been your favorite story this week? You know, it's not so much a story as it is a set of circumstances, and it's more about attitude than anything else. Uh, We saw Legion Liang lose his fight over the weekend, lose in quotation marks for those who uh, want to subscribe to that, and that's fine. But uh, the way he's rolled with it since... The way he's had so much fun, the way he's been so, you know, taking it in stride and then sort of uh, capitalizing on it to sort of poke fun of the situation and like not be bitter about it. There's something very there's there's a strength of character there that I respect. But it's also the fact that he's been really, really just adorable in the way that he's done it. I, I think it's admirable. I think it's great. And he's showing yet again that. Uh, he is uh, truly not just an ambassador for, you know, for Chinese athletes or just, uh, you know, Chinese MMA fighters. Like, no, he can be an ambassador for the sport and, and show that, you know what, man, things might be bad, but hey, they could always be worse and we can always try to make the best of it. So I kind of like that out of him. I love that story. I have two. Uh, I love the the exchange with Chael Sonnen and Anderson Silva and Anderson Silva's perfect comic timing i mean it's not just perfect striking timing he has perfect comic timing as well that was such a cute story and i really liked chael's follow-up comments stating that they are now so intertwined that he feels like when anderson permanently walks away from the sport when he's done that chael himself will be done by by proxy now of course we all know that chael's uh, mma career is pretty much done outside of commentary but i just like the way that he said that and made it like they are holding hands throughout the rest of their life and i just love that now my other favorite story is the um bad guy eats bad guy type thing that's going on with Dana White and Brendan Schaub. Holy crap, that's some funny shit going on over there. The the insults they're lobbing at each other is pretty funny. But, you know, Brendan Schaub is pretty much harmless because he always shows up to gunfights with, I don't know, finger guns? Because he gets just dragged mercilessly. And it's it's kind of funny because he's a big dumb dude. And he's, he just yeah, he's he just has a habit, though. He rolls in with like he shows up to a gunfight with two fistfuls of pocket lint. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, he asks for it and he's he's problematic to begin with. So I don't mind seeing him get dragged and Dana White, but exact same vibe. You know, he's 
real problematic with the way that uh, he throws his fighters under the bus and and basically embraces the practices of the UFC shortchanging their guys and gals. So I love seeing these two dudes just basically go to war and try to tear each other's throats out. It's pretty funny. So I have those two stories this week. But we are going to jump into some real meaty news stories. And the first one is not a pretty one. I'm going to read to you guys a tweet from Dwayne Johnson, aka The Rock. Our UFCX project Rock Partnership is anchored in hard work and legacy. Work ethic and legacy are the pillars of all UFC athletes. The hard work, hardest workers in the room, and that's a hashtag, defining their legacy. Project Rock is proud to be the official footwear partner of the UFC. Hashtag for those who walk the walk. For those who walk the walk. That's the slogan for this co-branded UFC and Project Rock shoe brand. And this is the shoe's that Nate Diaz was wearing last week in that now infamous interview with the lovely Megan Olivi, where he said, these shoes fucking suck. And and I agree with him. They are kind of ugly. They're terrible. But what makes them even more terrible than just the appearance of them is the fact that this is yet another sponsorship that is being rammed down the fighters' throats that they receive no benefit from. Now, John Nash went around and questioned some managers and some fighters behind the scenes, and several of them gave up the goods. And basically, the goods are this. (laughs) They don't get a nickel off this sponsorship. This is a multi-year deal with Under Armour and Project Rock. This was announced back in January of 2022, and Under Armour is the parent company of Project Rock. So this is basically Dwayne Johnson's brand that is now becoming the UFC's official global footwear partner. The athletes have to wear these shoes. It's part of their deal, their contract. They are contracted to do certain things for the UFC promotional things. And part of that is to wear these shoes, just like they must wear the Venom uniforms, like Those Venom uniforms sometimes have Crypto.com on them. And yet again, that is another sponsorship that the fighters do not see a nickel from. Now, Crypto.com did come out and say that if the fighters want to secure their own sponsor deals with crypto, they can do that. But it's increasingly rare for fighters to have enough of a social footprint, a global footprint, to entice these big sponsors in to give them individual deals. I have yet to see one with just crypto paying out a fighter individually and not paying the UFC and the UFC saying, oops, sorry, you signed the contract. So the way that it works, fighters get compensated in tiers depending on their amount of fights with the promotion or by champion challenger status. That is how they get sponsor money specifically from Venom. Those that do not comply with guidelines, and those guidelines are indicated in their contracts, and basically they are promotional guidelines. Um, When you see fighters out there and they are at 
their fight week and they're doing things like signing posters, signing hats, signing t-shirts, merchandise. They are giving interviews to select outlets. They are doing the pressers and things like that. That is all promotional uh, compliance guidelines. They must they must adhere to those promotional guidelines. And again, they are set forth in their contracts. And that's kind of the way that things have been rolling since the UFC did away with fighters being able to secure their own sponsors. It's awful. Uh, there's no two ways around it. They are being forced to basically rep brands that they don't get paid for. Now, Venom, they do get something, but... This, this Project Rock deal, this crypto deal, eh, eh. and The Rock, shame, 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 shame. You're over here talking about the athletes and legacy and work ethic, but you are contributing to the exploitation of these athletes, and I will die on this hill. Victor. What more can we really add to this than other the fact that this is just a continued exploitation of fighters? The one thing that I would note is different here from other previous examples of exploitation is that we're seeing some fighters or at least, you know, a little bit of rumbling from from the fighters. Not that it necessarily will amount to much, but it is something to see just them realizing how badly they're getting done over on this. You know, Terrence McKinney was on Twitter the other day. You know, he had the little facepalm emoji and he uh, you know, noted out. He retweeted the article that we had put up, and uh, for one, well, it's good to know that he reads us. But number two, you know, he he followed up with a post, you know, directly at the Rock, basically saying, "Hey, man, you know, can you please stand with us? You know, we're being done dirty with this deal," and that's eventually going to fall on deaf ears, man. Look, the negotiation was done well before you even thought that you had to put these things on. Like, there's no way they're going to change any terms or conditions. If they re-up, I doubt the fighters will see a dime. It's not, this is not something that The Rock is doing out of the kindness of his heart. If there were some sort of intent to help the fighters, he would have most likely added some sort of provision in the negotiations for that to have happened well before all of this came to light. And yet here we are, another sponsor. The UFC lines their pockets with it, but the fighters themselves, well, they don't get to see any of it. And that's just... I mean, you know, there, there's really nothing that these guys can do. They won't collectively organize in any capacity. That ship, I feel, unfortunately, is come and gone. And I really doubt that we'll see any sort of serious effort that would make that a possibility again, barring some insane uh, reality-altering event or series of events. Because we saw what happened with Project Spearhead, right? And, and we saw what happened with Meh, right? It's it's always going to be the same song and dance, and it's it's unfortunate, but you know, th there's this is a, the disparity of power is what's led to this, and we're seeing this in labor movements pretty much everywhere around the world. We're seeing that now. We had the threat of the rail strike that was happening this week, and, and this is. I know this, this may seem like I'm going a little far here, but there is a difference between what you can do and what you can accomplish when you have a unified front when you have collective labor efforts that are able to hammer out deals and say, you know what, we're putting our foot down. We're not going to deal with this. This particular stipulation or this condition is inhumane and we are going to do something about it. Otherwise, you don't get anybody that, you know, that, that will be able to do the dirty work for you. When it comes to MMA, especially the UFC, there's always somebody willing to cross that line. There's always somebody dying to get in and make that money. So, 
you know, man, this is just what happens here. If you, the, the, the last nail in that coffin was hammered in a long time ago, and now you're seeing what happens when the dirt's being poured on it. And that's, that's just it, man. It's a shame. I, I would have hoped that The Rock, with his experience in pro wrestling and, and how exploitative that business can be, would have maybe considered that. But, I mean, maybe he doesn't have a say in that deal, deal either. I I think he does. The Rock is a really smart guy, and he ensures that he benefits mightily from anything he signs his name to. So I am 100% of the mind that The Rock knows exactly what he's doing. He's been with Endeavor since 2013 as well, and I think that bears noting. I feel like they are all buddy-buddy and partners more than Endeavor managing him, managing his career. I feel like The Rock's been self-managing or co-managing his own career for quite some time. That could be. It could be. Or it could be another one of the provisions from his uh, his his uh, WME contract, right? Part of his representation. Like, you're already part of the umbrella. You might be able to eke out a business deal. He might have. He might be an investor in the UFC. We know that some uh, celebrities have had shares and, and the ability to uh, do all that. I don't know. I do. Because The Rock is, the, first of all, he's the highest paid movie star in all of Hollywood. He's commanding anywhere from 20 to 40 million per movie. What? I mean, yes. Oh my wait, God. wait, wait. You, you mean to tell me he's making more? Yes. Than, than more than Gina Carano? <laughs> Don't tell me no shit like that on a man. You know what? You know, God I'll damn. never get over how much uh, Troy uh, Piddle MMA, how mm-hmm. hard he goes in the paint on Gina Carano. It never ceases to amuse me it's the funniest thing ever highly recommend following that guy but anyways i i know we got to move on but this story has teeth and it's probably going to be a lot uglier as more details are revealed and basically what we have been saying all along for the past couple of years the only way the UFC is going to stop doing the fighters like this is if that antitrust suit doesn't go in their favor. So we must keep our fingers crossed that that happens. I guess so. Very well, then. I mean, if that's, uh, you know, there, there's really not, not much uh, not much hope here, but we try to hang on with to whatever shreds of it we can find. So let's let's go with that. However, we are going to move on to something that's a little sunnier, a little a little nicer than that. And of course, it has to be because it involves one of the nicest people in all of combat sports. Bobby Knuckles himself, Robert Whitaker, because he was actually talking he was talking about this uh whole deal with you know the scenario what could be next what's on the horizon and what is popping in the mma world so he was answering the invitation that uh, was offered to him by kamzat shemaev to train over at all-star training center up in sweden and it turns out that whitaker said yeah sure you know what i'd love to train with you i think it would be awesome we can do that be buddies and then he said which is the greatest i'm going to quote this here I heard what Kamsat said about wanting to fight bad guys, and I can get behind that. If he wants to train together, I want to train together, and we can go hunt bad guys together. I think it will be a lot of fun, and we can run amok of a lot of people. Um, yeah, then he keeps going here, and he talks about the potentials of you know uh, what it would be like for uh, uh, Adesanya and the title picture and all that. But we're not really going to focus on that. We're going to focus on this here because I think it's kind of funny that with everything that's been going on with Chimaev lately – Robert Whitaker still manages to find the good in him mm-hmm. and see that highlighted and make a, a you know a nice little I don't want to say so much a joke but he's kind of running with the whole deal and he's got the little uh, 
the potential good cop, bad cop uh, comedy hit of the summer thing going here. I, I think we could maybe do something with that. But I would absolutely love to see what those training sessions would look like. Because, man, let me tell you, those two guys can go. Bobby, his wrestling is extraordinary. It's not on the same level in terms of international accolade as Shemaev. But he can hold his own. In fact, he was trying to have uh, Rep Team Australia in the Olympics in wrestling. Now, even though that never came to fruition, he is one of the best wrestlers in the division. And, of course, we've seen Shemaev oscillating between welterweight and middleweight. So maybe, just maybe, especially with the recent uh, weight cut fiasco, there might be a chance that these two fight each other down the line. And for all the lovey-dovey, happy friend stuff that's going on here right now, Maybe Whitaker, with all this good stuff and all the goodwill that's coming here with that, I don't think he'd turn that opportunity down. I think he'd actually be down to train with the guy for as long as he needs to, and then when push comes to shove, actually fight him. And I would love to see that matchup. So my question to you is, what do you make of the invitation and the acceptance? Do you think these two will eventually face off down the line, and how do you see that going? I love the invitation, and I think you nailed it perfectly. When you said that Bobby Knuckles managed to find the good in everyone, including Chemayev, who's basically come off as the bad guy ever since last weekend and, and all of last week, the, the whole uh, scandalous stuff that happened, which isn't really scandalous, but a lot of people are treating it as such. But I, I like it. I think it's great. I do think that uh, Hamzad is going to end up at 185 and I mean, you can almost count on it happening. And I don't think Whitaker would turn down the fight. I just, I wonder what Darren Till is thinking to himself right now. I wonder if he's feeling a little left behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like those, it's like those stories, like the, uh, the teenage girl comedies, you know, where like the new friend comes in and one of the old friends gets salty. Like, I'm going to ruin that bitch. You know, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to cut up all her clothes while she's in the shower. That kind of deal. I Darren can't imagine Till, that happening. Darren Till is out there. But that's so fetch. I don't know if you catch the reference, but it's from, um, what is it? The, the one with Lindsay. Isn't Lohan. it Mean Girls, I think? Mean Girls. Yes, yeah. Mean Girls. Yeah. That's so fetch. That's that's Darren Till right now. <laughs> He's oh, out man. here just, just trying to stay relevant. That's the illusion that I get from Darren Till right now. But uh, yeah, I... I like the training invite, and I do agree with you. I think that we will see these two face off at some point in the next year or two. So, yep, I like it. But we're also going to remain on the subject of not just future Hall of Famers, but what could be next on the horizon. As we're going to be talking about the man that I perceive to be the greatest of all time, Jose Aldo. Now, he didn't say this, but his coach did. Now, see, his coach did it, but the Natas had a little something to say about what is going to happen, whether or not uh, the last fight that we saw against Murado Ashvili is, in fact, his last. Turns out, Pedernadas has come out to pour some water on that fire. Now, he had to say this. He said he does have one last fight on his contract. He intends to honor that contract and fight it out, especially since the UFC is apparently returning to Brazil in January. Now, we don't have any sort of opponent. No fight confirmation has been done. He's not scheduled for the fight, so let's not get too excited about that. But Pedernadas does have a bit of a heavy heart about it because he did, in fact, ask Aldo to retire quite some time ago. And he said this. He didn't need it since that fight, much less now. And this is referring to the uh, McGregor fight, right? He made enough money. I'd tell him to stop. I think Aldo has already conquered a lot, and it won't be this last fight against Devashvili that will take away his legacy in the sport. Now, 
I've seen many retire and want to fight years later. Most of them are like that. Thales Leches left the UFC, fought his last fight against Hector Lombard, said, brother, I don't want this shit anymore. Two, three years later, it passed, and now he's calling me to get him a fight. I've seen that my whole life, and it will happen with him. Andre has seen a lot. He knows that old habits die hard. Maybe he listens to Steffi because she said it best. Nobody ever really retires. And she's right. And look, I'm sure that with experience, he's noted that. And when you know someone like Aldo as intimately as he does, right, when you've been a coach and a mentor and a brother for someone for so long, you do kind of pick up on what kind of attitude they have. And you don't reach the apex of the sport in the way that Aldo has, and in the manner in which he did it, without having some element of obsessiveness in your personality. So that drive remains there. That thing that makes a lot of these folks great, that thing that allows them to reach these incredible goals and these insane heights, unfortunately, when there's nowhere left to go, it does kind of sputter out and it leads to perhaps ill-advised decisions. So my question to you is this. Assuming that this is, in fact, the last time that we see Aldo in the cage, that he finishes at his contract, rather, uh, the last time we see him in the UFC cage after finishing this contract, do you think he's really going to be done for good? Or do you think that maybe, just maybe, we're going to see him like the example that Bernadette's had with Latest, right, coming back two, three years later and going on a very, very sad tour and uh, possibly having some sort of foray into boxing? I can see him possibly coming back for boxing uh, a la Anderson Silva, but I don't see him going to another promotion. I definitely don't see bare knuckle in his future. I think that uh, Jose will be one of those guys that prefers to have legacy intact. Uh, Anderson Silva seems to be that way as well. So I'm hoping that if we see him return, it would only be some sort of boxing uh, foray. And I wouldn't mind seeing that. I also wouldn't mind, you know, he's, he is a black belt. I wouldn't mind seeing him on the jiu-jitsu circuit or possibly do some sort of uh, kickboxing crossover in one or something, uh, Ryzen or something along those lines. There are avenues that he could explore that don't require him going to another organization to eke out an, a whole nother contract that's going to tie him down for uh, X amount of fights until he's 40 freaking years old. That's not what I want to see from him. But I'm all for him getting a bag here and there the same way Anderson Silva is. I think that he has the striking to be able to do that. We'll see. But uh, I, d I definitely don't want to see him in Bellator or Bare Knuckle or PFL or anything like that. I'm all about his legacy because like you, I feel that Jose Aldo is in that rarefied goat conversation air, you know? Uh, he's one of those guys, Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, uh, GSP, Johnny Bones. Those are the guys that are routinely mentioned. Those five guys are routinely mentioned in uh, UFC greatest of all time. And if we're speaking of greatest of all time worldwide, of course, we would have to put Fyodor in the conversation. But for the purposes of right now and this podcast, we're going to look at Jose Aldo and keep our fingers crossed that his last fight in the UFC is truly his last MMA fight. I agree. And I mean, I don't know that he'll do any sort of grappling thing because unfortunately, you know, grappling doesn't really pay the bills like that. You know, you, what you see from most elite level grapplers, what do they do? Well, then they move on to MMA. It's very rare for you to see these guys unless they're doing some sort of like a 
friendly competition. You know, if it's somebody who doesn't really need the money, they'll do one or two of those spots here and there. But you don't really see guys, you know, unless they were super into jiu-jitsu before they got into MMA, they did it for a while, and then they left to just focus strictly on jiu-jitsu and opening their own school. I don't really see that sort of thing happening. I don't – maybe, maybe, maybe we might see that with Aldo. And he looks like he's doing okay. He's opened his own businesses and everything, and he's trying. But I really, really wouldn't – I'd be so sad – I'm sad when I see any other broken fighter come back after they don't really uh, – after it's not exactly the best thing for them to do. But to have someone who reached the heights and, 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 and accomplished what he did and have him come back a broken shell, that would really be the worst to me. I, like That would depress me more than, than any other circumstance. And well, when I mentioned grappling, though, I mentioned that as an avenue for guys that feel like they're not done competing, but they're yeah. done with MMA. If he were to go over and do a little something with Glory or Ryzen or whatever, that's not exactly going to pay massive amounts either. Maybe Ryzen would, but I mean, I believe they're struggling a little bit as well. T- times are tough all over. But for his point of view maybe wanting to continue some form of competition just to keep that little little bit of squeeze on the uh, the fame aspect because a lot of these guys say that the hardest part of letting go is letting go of all the fan appreciation that comes along with the money so if he's the kind of guy that thrives on that or for his fans that feel like they want to see more out of him this is a way we could get that. Yeah, maybe. Now, we are going to move on to breaking down the main card of UFC Vegas 60. But first, let's take a look back at how we did on our picks. Victor, you came in first. Oh, yay. Yes, you is, did. Is, is that good after this mess of a card? Well, let me tell you what happened. I, I must point out that three of our picks got tossed to the side because we... Like the boneheads that we are, never came back into our little private DM chat with Mookie and repicked the card when everything got shuffled. So of our five picks, only two of them count. And you got both of yours right. Mookie got one of his right, and I got none of mine right. <laughs> so here's how we picked last week before the shakeup. Mookie picked Hamza Chimaya, Li Jing Liang, Kevin Holland, Irina Aldana, and Iwan Kutalaba. He went one and one because only Irina Aldana won. We had to throw out those first three fights that I mentioned. Now, I picked um, Imavov, Jing Liang, Holland, Shazon, and Kutalaba. Did not work out. <laughs> now, you, however, Picked Aldana and Johnny Walker, and those were your two correct picks. So you mm. went two and zero. Oh. I went zero oh and two. Mookie went one and one. So the official standings are as follows: Mookie is in the lead, one hundred sixty-one and three. I am in second, ninety-eight sixty-three and three. And you are bringing up the rear, but you are closing in pretty quickly. You are at ninety-one seventy and three. So, we are going to move into this UFC Vegas 60 card, and we are also going to pick the weekend's big, 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 big boxing match, Canelo versus Triple G3. So, we're going to start here with the first fight 
on the main card, the uh, curtain jerker for the main card, and that is Marc-Andre Barriot. And he is taking on Anthony Hernandez. Fluffy, hmm. how, you, how you picking this one? And just I hear Fluffy, I think Gabriel Iglesias, and it really disappoints me that I'm not seeing him in here in some capacity. Like, I think he'd be a better ambassador for the UFC than Hasbulla, but that's another story entirely. <laughs> uh, shit. I, I think that Barriol has like that that sort of big man frame you know he's he's kind of hard to grapple with because he's kind of built like a refrigerator and those dudes are a nightmare to deal with but then you do start striking and he is a little slower he does start a little slower whereas hernandez might be able to start racking up some uh, momentum early um but i don't know that i can really trust him long term i don't know these two dudes are like still there's still so much polish um left for them to gain and i don't really see it so I guess I'm gonna go with Barriol for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't. I'm not really confident in that pick. Like I want to pick Hernandez, but at the same time, I feel like I don't know. I'm not too thrilled about it. So, eh, fine. I am gonna take Hernandez here, and even though Barriol has a, a really tough chin and he's kind of hard to finish, he's been struggling lately. He hasn't looked himself, and I'm wondering if we actually saw his ceiling already. Hernandez, Mr. Fluffy Pants, I think that we haven't seen his ceiling yet. And I think that his the quality of his wins, even though they actually share an, uh, an opponent or two, is a little bit better. So I am going to go with Hernandez here. I'm not super confident with it, but I think that he can definitely get the win here. Now, Mookie is also taking Mr. Fluffy Pants. So to recap, Victor is taking Marc-Andre Barriot, and Mookie and I are taking Fluffy Hernandez. So our next one coming up is Tanner Bozer and Rodrigo Nascimento. Victor, how you going? I don't even remember seeing Nascimento fight. And not only that, but I'm also already regretting my last pick. I'm going to keep it, though, because I'm stubborn hey, today. You know what? Your hand's not off the piece, as, as uh, Eugene Robinson would say. So if you want to change, change. I don't care. I re- you should <laughs> I care. You're trying I appreciate to win. The, the, the gesture, but I don't know. Look, man, I, 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 I like what happens when Bozer gets in there. I think he's got great hand speed. Uh, he's a lot more accurate a striker than a lot of people. People give him credit for. He's great with the mid range, and um, you know, really establishing his pace. Uh, at the same time, Nascimento, I don't really like. I don't really see that much upside with him right now. I'm not super impressed with what I've seen. Like, yeah, he he won against Martinek in contender series, and I remember that much. And then he fought Dante Mays in a fight that I don't even remember. But no disrespect to Mays, he's not really the best barometer for this. And then he lost to Chris Dockhouse, which no shame in that, but he got dropped. Like he got put away um, in the first round. You know, pretty much knocked out. So. Uh, I can't trust his chin against a guy who hits super duper hard. So I'm going to go with Tanner Bozer. I am also going to go with Tanner Bozer. And one of the things that makes me pick him, despite recent struggles and all, is that he's got very good cardio. And for a heavyweight, that that's kind of important because these guys hit hard and cardio and, and some measure of durability count. Uh, like you, I am real hazy on Rodrigo's uh, fights. I do know that he's he's got some power and speed. 
but I don't know that he's got a whole heck of a lot of cardio to depend on. I do remember that much about Bozer. I do know that Bozer also has uh, some fair, fairly good technique. So I'm also taking Bozer and Mookie is also taking Tanner Bozer as well. So we get to our next fight and it is... Alan Amadovsky taking on Joseph Pfeiffer. <clears throat> wow. I can't believe this is even on the main card. I mean, Alan Amadovsky, we're looking at a guy that is on a, let's see, a three, three fight losing streak mm -hmm. somehow on the main card. I hate this fight so much for being on the main card. I'm sure it's a serviceable fight, but the main card, nah. This should have been swapped out with um, the the feature prelims fight, which is um, Pat Sabatini and Damon Jackson. That's a killer fight. Why That's a great that? fight. Why is That's a that? great fight. You know, I'll do you one better. I'll, well, actually, not so much better, but the fight between Denise Gomez and Loma Lugbonmi, that would be more suited. Trey Ogden For and Daniel Zaluher? Or I would. I, that's yeah. actually Zaluber's pretty good, man. Yes, that would actually is. be a pretty cool showcase. That is excellent fight. You know what? You could actually even put Jillian Robertson and Mariah Agapova on the main card above this trash fight. Here, but, here's the thing, and I, I don't want to be like too mean about it because so this to me, the way I'm reading this, this is largely supposed to be a showcase for Pfeiffer, mm -hmm. right? Pfeiffer was a, 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 a darling on the independent scene and for good reason. The guy is good. He is like one of those cats mm -hmm. that comes in and he is UFC ready. Like, is he immediately going to skyrocket to the top 10? Absolutely not. But he's going to have some real interesting and very, uh, fulfilling performances on the way out on the way uh, rather on the way up. So, uh, I, I, I like that. And I mean, I, I say that because I've been seeing this dude. I've been hearing rumblings about because he's from this area. So it's like, his, you know, when you hear somebody's name ring, it's like, yeah, that happens. But then it's like, no, no, this dude is different. And then you see him perform and then you see him the way he uh, overcame the odds in uh, Contender Series and just made it look easy. Like, nah, this dude has been ready for a while. Amadowski, very good striker, very hard hitter. Uh, he did very, very well until he hit the UFC, and sometimes them's the breaks. And so I'm looking at the – if we're going to do a bit of MMA math, right, and this is this is where we're going to add some uh, some decimal points and exponents, okay? You look at the way that he got outworked by Jocko and then the way that he got put away by John Phillips. It's like, okay, so wait a minute. Pfeiffer not only can – can not only pour on the kind of volume and pressure that Jocko has, but he can also put you to sleep the way Phillips does. What does that tell you? If you add those things together, it's like, damn, this is from a striking standpoint, that is a stylistic problem that I don't know he'll be able to overcome. And he's not going to be able to take Pfeiffer down easily because Pfeiffer's wrestling and takedown defense is pretty damn good. So, no, you're going to be dealing with a guy who is super strong and uh, is just insanely uh, powerful as a striker. What do you think is going to happen, man? It's, it's not going to be good. That's what it is. You know, you nailed everything on the head there with, with Pfeiffer. I think that this is definitely being set up as a showcase fight. Madovsky is the perfect guy to do that against. I'm not going to say that it's going to be a complete blowout because I don't know enough about Pfeiffer to actually be able to say that somebody that's been in the UFC for a while and taken on UFC competition, uh, that it's going to be a complete blowout against someone like that. But I'm going to take Pfeiffer because I feel like there's a lot more upside with him 
than there is with Emadovsky. But again, this this could be anybody's fight. We never know. Uh, mm. Mookie is also taking Joseph Pfeiffer. Now we yeah, are, there you go. The, all three of us are taking Joseph Pfeiffer. Now we are moving on to kind of a depressing fight. Um, Andre Feely taking on Bill Algeo. This kind of is a must win for Andre Feely. He's on a two fight losing streak, but his record over the last several fights leaves a lot to be desired. And we're going to go back to 2018. All right. I'm not going to go all the way back because it's always win, lose, win, lose. And way back, you know, 2014 era, when he took on Max Holloway, those were the kind of guys that were beating him. The Max Holloways, the Year Rodriguez, the Calvin Caters. He did have a, a loss in there to Godofredo Pepe, but it was when Pepe was surging off of the, the tough uh, season and everything like that. But then he starts losing in 2018 to Michael Johnson. And his wins in between are Miles Jury, Shaman Moraes, mid to low tier guys. Then he takes on Sodiq Yusuf. He loses. Mm. Takes on Charles Jordan and he wins the split. But I must put out there that was Charles Jordan's fight. I mean, in my opinion, Jordan gets the, the shitty end of the stick in his split decisions. We'll say that. But Jordan, he gets the win there, but I feel like uh, that was a gift decision. Then he takes a loss to Bryce Mitchell and Joe Anderson Brito. He even took a loss in grappling recently, just this past July. And he didn't get beaten on points. He got submitted. He got he got taken out in a north south choke. So now he's taken on Bill Aljeo, a power pellet of a guy who just is nonstop, has pretty good striking. I you know, this is kind of a fight that Feely, not Aljeo, Feely has to win this fight. Uh it's a definite step down in name only. It it seems like it's a step down in name only. Uh, Joe Anderson Brito was a step down for him in, in name, and he got he got wiped out in 41 seconds. So I'm going to take Bill Aljeo here because I feel like there's a lot more upside there, and I feel like this is the UFC's way of getting Feely out of there because he's not rising to the the level of competition that he needs to to justify his purses, which are probably not very big, but in the UFC eyes. Anybody with any kind of name that's on this kind of losing streak is primed for getting the hell out. Victor? I think it's more a matter of – I want to look at this from a little bit more of a, um, uh, a a kinder, maybe more humane perspective that this is their way of seeing if he can still hang. It's not so much uh, we can't wait to see you leave. It's like, all right, let's see what you got. Like the, this, but this they is the did end. That with Joe Anderson Brito, who has less of a name than Bill Aljeo, and he couldn't rise to the occasion there. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, okay, listen, we're gonna get you this fight here to test you. This is more about seeing uh, Aljeo rise than it is to have Feely stick around. But it's also one of those deals where it's like, dude, you have to know. You have to know that this is where it breaks if you drop it, you know? So um, it's a rough predicament to be in because Bill, again, another guy who's from this area and who is a buzzsaw. His grappling is very wiry, scrambly. He's quick at snatching up submissions. Dude is good, man. Dude's really good. He's 
very good at utilizing his uh, range. His leg kicks are snappy. They just got a, a nice bit of punctuation on him. Um, I, I think he might be able to deal with Feely and, uh, you know, not, not necessarily at distance. He's going to probably have to get inside a little and make that work. But once that happens, it's going to be uh, one of those deals where if he can get it to the ground, that's probably going to be it. That's probably where it's going to be Algeo doing more control and doing more with ground strikes than Feely would be able to, you know, sort of uh, work his way back from that deficit. So I'm going to go with Bill. All right. And it does look like if we look at Feely's record, it looks like he's sort of playing the welcome wagon for a lot of up-and-coming prospects. Like, when he fought Sodiq Yusuf, Yusuf was just coming into the UFC, and, I mean, he got wiped out by... Well, he didn't get wiped out, but he lost a very dominant uh, decision there. Sodiq Yusuf pretty much owned him in that fight from, from the beginning bell to the end. And then Charles Jourdain, you know, this was back in 2020. He takes the split, but Again, that was Charles Jordan's fight. He takes on uh, Bryce Mitchell at the end of 2020. Loses that one pretty handily as well. Joe Anderson Brito knocked him out in 41 seconds. And somebody named Shane Shapiro beat him in grappling with a north-south choke. I just... Well, that's... Know. I mean... You still, know, still. I don't know what his grappling accolades might be. So getting beaten in grappling by somebody who's probably a way better grappler is... Doesn't matter. I'm still yeah. going to look at that uh, because he was submitted. That's well, the point okay. there. He was submitted. So, anyways, we are going to move on to our next fight. It is the co-main event. And I should note that Mookie also picked Bill Algeo. Now, our co-main event is such a banger, and it's very, very well matched. <laughs> My gosh, this is probably one of the most well-matched fights we've seen in a while, and that is Chidi and Jaguani and Gregory Rodriguez. These guys are on par with each other. They share opponents also, but I feel like Chidi and Jaguani's power... I think his power is a little bit more dependable than Gregory Rodriguez. I feel like if we're going to see a knockout in this fight, it's going to be Chidi and Jaguani's. I'm not saying Gregory Rodriguez can't do it, but I just think that Chidi and Jaguani is going to be the one that if I'm going to throw a dart and it's going to land on a knockout, it's going to be Chidi that's going to get it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just can't shake that feeling that he's more dependable for the knockout than than Rodriguez is. So I'm going to take Chidi, but this is really a pick em fight. I'm, I'm just tickled by the fact that you call this one a banger because you know what they used to call Chidi in the gym? What? Chidi, Chidi, bang, bang. Oh, ah, yeah. I'm not making that up either. I remember years ago, Boss Rutten mentioned it on a show. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, that's cute. Um, look, man, you got to look at the fact that Njikwani had a pretty bad loss to John Salter and then an even another bad loss against uh, Carvalho and Bellator, right? But if you really look back, Carvalho, pretty strong striker, kind of a bad dude to fight because he's going to make everything look ugly. Yeah. And Salter, Salter is a very, very um, underappreciated middleweight who's super tough and an extraordinary grappler. He's a grinder. That's yeah. Salter. He's such a grinder. <laughs> Exactly. But then you look at what happened since then. He does himself off in LFA and he has a highlight reel finish that was just absolutely gorgeous against Chris Torres. Then he goes into contender series and beats the brakes off of Mario Souza, who just fought actually, I think this week or was it last week? I can't tell. Time doesn't exist anymore. He puts away Barriol with the uh, 
punch from hell, and then he ends up uh, dusting off Dusko Todorovic. He has looked so good because of the accuracy of his striking, but the patience that he has earned and his ability to put guys away with trickier setups, lulling them into a false sense of confidence, dominating the range, being able to dictate the pace at will, that is exactly what it is. When it's time to shoot those shots down the middle, he's good for it. When it comes to, comes time to, you know, turn the corner and throw a hook and then really just beat up those legs, chew things up to really get them guessing and then throw a couple of high kicks in there for good measure. Chidi has that. And as much as I hate it, like, look, Gregory, very solid up and comer. I think there's, uh, I think he's got a really, really good future here because look, he came into the UFC, he beat Todorovic, who we just mentioned here, had a good win against uh, Jun Young Park. And then he did unfortunately suffer the split decision loss against Armin Petrosian, but that's not a bad loss. Not at and all. Split, I mean, the fact that it was a split and a well-earned split in the sense that it's like, yeah, that was razor close. It could have gone either way. Then, yeah, it says a lot of good things about him and his striking and his ability to um, – integrate all aspects of his MMA game. And then, of course, his last fight, he uh, sent Julian Marquez to the Phantom Zone. So listen, this is an extraordinary matchup. I just think that Chidi has a bit more polished experience and a bit more upside in this one. So as much as I hate to say it, because I really like Gregory and a lot of the stuff that he does, I'm going to go with Chidi. Also, it bears mentioning that Gregory Rodriguez is nowhere near as fast as Chidi and Jaguani. That's true. Um, and, and I have to add that in as why I feel like Chidi's a little more dependable for that knockout. Yeah, now, his his hand speed is there, but not his foot speed. He's very foot slow. Yeah. His head kind of stays center line too, and I hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mookie is also taking Chidi and Jaguani. So we are going to move into the main event. Corey Sandhagen taking on Sonya Dong, and this is such a great fight. Man, bantamweight is just the division. I just love it so much. Now, you've got Corey Sandhagen, who is just phenomenal everywhere. But his kryptonite, it is wrestling. And Song Yadong, out there at Alpha Male, a wrestling-centric camp. And he is a good wrestler, but he's got fairly good striking, too. Here's what I need to know, Victor. How in the hell does this kid have 26 fights and he's only 24? Well, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, uh, I, I guess they had him fighting every week, like in Thailand. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I mean, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at this. here. He must be very fortunate to not be, uh, you know, to avoid the injury bug. And he's been fighting since 2013. That's the other deal. This guy has been fighting since he was 15 years old. That worries me a little bit. It does. It does. Either that or, you know, this is uh, the Cuban baseball prospect, Doki Doki. You know, he's secretly 38. (laughs) Well, no, I I really do believe this guy's only 24. He's just a baby. Yeah. He has the unfortunate disadvantage of having Corey have three inches of height and reach on him. And that matters. Corey uses his length and reach very, very well. Uh, his striking, that left that he rips to the midsection, boy, oh boy, that could present a problem. I'm going to do something weird, though. I feel like Song Yadong is thriving right now. He's he's really showing off. And, and I love that. So I'm actually going to take Song Yadong here. Mookie is taking Corey Sanhagen, and I understand why. But I don't know. I just got this feeling 
that Sonia Dong is going to get right in the phone booth and punish, punish, punish. We shall see. But I am going to take Sonia Dong here. So Song had an extraordinary back-to-back uh, set of finishes against Julio Arce and Marlon Moraes. And you really need to take that into consideration. If he can crack those guys, well, maybe not so much Marlon, but he can crack Julio and test that chin. He's probably going to really test uh, Sanhagen. Problem is he's got to find that chin first, like I always say. And despite the fact that he is with a wrestling-centric gym, I don't really think he's going to be doing too much offensive wrestling. I think he's one of those dudes who does more of the defensive and reactive wrestling deal. And that's probably why he chose Alpha Male, because not only do they specialize with the lower weight classes, but they also help some of those dudes. Like Kind of like what American Kickboxing Academy was supposed to do with wrestlers, right? It's like, okay, we're going to complete your game in this direction. Uh, And it seems to show because the guy has been a striker through and through. A lot of his finishes have been through strikes and he does have some submissions on his record but that's not really where his bread and butter is problem is he's also going to go toe-to-toe against a dude who is a real problem uh we saw how Sanhagen was able to edge out tj dillashaw in a lot of those exchanges and the manner in which he was able to pivot move side to side and just keep pouring on the damage keep going with that pressure be deceptive with his reach and his movement. And I, I kind of think that maybe there might be something there. I, it, it may also come down to cardio late. I mean, this is also a five rounder. Um, I, I, I guess I, I just have to go with the hand I trust most. And right now, right now it's going to have to be Sanhagen by virtue of the fact that he has faced higher level opposition already. He's been in the fire. He's been in some of these uh, longer bouts. I kind of feel like maybe he might have the edge here, but song, his moment will eventually come. All right, and Mookie is also taking Corey Sandhagen. So to recap our UFC Vegas 60 picks, Victor is going with Marc-Andre Berriot, Tanner Bozer, Joseph Pfeiffer, Bill Algeo, Chidi Njikawani, and Corey Sandhagen. I am going with Fluffy Hernandez, Tanner Bozer, Joseph Pfeiffer, Bill Algeo, Chidi Njikawani, and Song Yadong. Mookie is going with Fluffy Hernandez, Tanner Bozer, Joseph Pfeiffer, Bill Algeo, Chidi Njukawani, and Corey Sandhagen. Now we are going to choose Canelo Triple G3. Victor, how you see it going? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me flip, let me pull out the Uno card and flip it on its head. Why don't you pick first? Okay, I am picking Canelo. I think that Triple G is starting to look a little worn. He is past his prime. Canelo is still in his prime. I think this is going to be a tough fight. Um, I think that Triple G will have moments probably um, in the middle of the fight. Early on, it's going to be Canelo. And in the end of the fight, it's going to be Canelo. But I think that uh, Triple G is a, a little bit too far gone to uh, be able to be able to take out Canelo or even eke out a decision this time around or even a split. Yeah, I, I don't care. I'm going to go with Golovkin, whatever. <laughs> um, Look, I don't follow boxing like that. I just don't. But I mean, I guess I'm, I don't know. I kind of like the fact that Golovkin, to my limited sense of, of, of what these guys do well and what they do best. I mean, I kind of feel like him punishing dudes to the body and having that cardio and, you know, he's, he's kind of like a little bit of the grizzlier older pissed off dude, but he can still go like, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm going purely off hunch. (laughs) 
I, I will say this is his cardio is definitely starting to look a little threadbare these days, oh, wow. just so you know, because I do follow and I do watch and yes. Canelo will definitely have the upper hand in that department. So to recap our Canelo triple G picks, I am taking Canelo as is Mookie and Victor, the sole dissenting voice here with Triple G. And I appreciate that pick. Somebody's got to pick them. It just won't be me. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, we are going to wrap the show. Do me a favor. Follow Victor on Twitter. That's Vic M. Rodriguez. Follow Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander. Myself at Crooklyn MMA. The show at Level Change Pod. We are also available on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash Level Change Podcast. Victor is available on Instagram. And if you enjoy food, just get over there. My God, it's an amazing feed and it will feed your soul. (laughs) I I might grill again this weekend. So, yeah. Yes. So a feed that feeds. And um, we both work for bloodyelbow.com. So you can find our work there. Mookie works over at SB Nation's field goal site. So if you are a Seattle Seahawks fan or a non-fan, go over there and give them hell. And uh, until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Vivisection, The Sixth Round Postfight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Brooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, show money, guest podcasts, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>